KFI and KOST HD2, Los Angeles, Orange County. Tuesdays aren't so bad when they start with Jennifer Jones Lee. Here she is with your morning wake-up call. So this morning, what was fun is I was able to crush Oscar's ideas of what a Tuesday morning are because I gave him the Tuesday morning theory. Oh, no. I did. I feel it's my job. I pass along just the facts, Tyler. On Tuesday mornings, for everybody who does not know, we'll turn your radio off if you don't want me to crush you, I guess. But Oscar... Now that you know, yes. what is the deal with Tuesday mornings? Well, uh, Jennifer told me that, you know, you have all this sleep buildup from over the weekend, so Monday's still a good day. Yep. And you deplete it all on Monday. So when you get here for Tuesday, uh, there's nothing left in the gas tank. Tuesdays suck, <laughs> essentially. I, I do have to admit that I, I'm a little bit there. I'm a little tired today. But, <laughs> you know, Michelle Cube comes back tomorrow. So I have... Uh, Whatever reserve energy I have, I can use because I, I know I, I won't be back. Must be in the nice, morning. Oscar. Must be nice to <laughs> yeah. have a light at the end of the tunnel, Oscar. What's Wait, that not light? have to get up in the middle of the night, Oscar. Okay, you know what? Actually, Oscar just flipped this on us and crushed us. What the heck? Because I won't be. I'll be back. I'll what see you at the, the at the end of your shift. Yeah, tomorrow. exactly. When Oscar's walking in at nine o'clock. Hey guys, how's it going? Yeah, I'll have the occasional <laughs> fist bump with Oscar as I'm leaving the building. Exactly. Must be nice, Oscar. All right. Well, Tuesdays aren't so bad. When you're listening to Wake Up Call, I promise I'll get you through it. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee, and some of the stories we're watching in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. A winter weather warning has been issued for the mountains in L.A. County because of more icy weather. And then you look in San Bernardino County, where there's a local emergency that's been declared because people in mountain communities have been stuck in their homes for days because of several feet of snow. And so sad, but doctors for actor Tom Sizemore who's been in a coma since he had a brain aneurysm, have recommended now that his family consider end-of-life decisions. 505, we're going to talk with ABC's Karen Travers. So you have the expiration now of the SNAP benefits. This is as of tomorrow, and that's the program that was put into place during the pandemic that allowed an additional stipend to low-income Americans who rely on food stamps on the SNAP program. So what happens to them now? And Karen Travers tried to nail the Biden administration down for some sort of question or some sort of answer to her question. And we'll see what they had to say. But let's start with some of the stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. A winter weather advisory has been issued for the mountains in L.A. County because of more icy weather. Forecasters say people in the mountains can anticipate moderate snow through this afternoon, becoming heavy at times late in the afternoon and through tomorrow. The National Weather Service says snow levels will start to drop between 3,000 and 4,000 feet, but the levels could drop as low as 1,500 again by tomorrow. I'm just saying, there's a chance. Why are you excited about that? Because I got the snow at my house, and now it's like I'm you addicted to it. Heck yeah. Oh, goodness. But you know what was funny is when the snow started on Saturday at my house, you don't think of, hey, where's my jacket with the hood? And so I was quickly going through my jacket and it was like jackets and it was like jean jacket after jean jacket, cute corduroy jacket. Oh, look at this fluffy jacket that has like feathers on it. Where's my winter weather parka? Got to get yourself one of these like uh, weatherproof jackets. Apparently. Now, San Bernardino County declared a local emergency because of all the snow. People in the mountain communities, they they're thinking I'm a crazy girl. 
because they've been stuck in their homes for days or even unable to get home because of several feet of snow that fell over the weekend and more is expected this week. Now, the declaration asks for state and federal help to clear the snow from mountain highways and neighborhood streets and to support any other necessary work. Officials in La Cunada Flint Ridge say inspections are being done on homes that were damaged by a massive mudslide caused by heavy rain. Susan Colita with the city says the homes that were affected over the weekend now need to be evaluated by licensed professionals. They will have to provide plans to the city for review uh, and approval, and we would issue a building permit for them to uh, fix the damage that has occurred. Colita says whenever there's a lot of rain in such a short period of time, mudslides are always a concern. She says the city will continue working with public officials to monitor vulnerable areas of the hillside. Chris Adler. KFI News. And the LADWP says more than 25,000 people are still without electricity because of the latest storm. The DWP's Brian Wilbur says down power lines and trees over the weekend caused the majority of the outages. Look to have extra blankets, uh, coolers, things that you're going to need. Um, and expect that your power is going to be out for um, for a, a significant amount of time. Ugh. Wilbur says crews have been working around the clock to first tackle hazardous uh, situations, then help those who have been without power the longest. Customs officials say they've made a historic fentanyl seizure at the California-Mexico border. After x-raying a pickup and a search by a canine unit, officers found 46 packages of fentanyl and 30 packages of meth with a combined street value of more than $1 million. Agents say on Sunday a woman driving a pickup entered the Andrade port of entry east of Calexico. She was sent to a secondary inspection area. Agents say they found the packages inside the pickup's fuel tank with a total weight of 86 pounds. Officials say the seizure set a record for that port of entry. Steve Gregory, KFI News. Karen Travers, good morning to you. So those SNAP benefits, the additional ones that 30 million Americans got when we were in the pandemic, it was a program that was put in place that was going to help people sort of bridge the gap when it came to food. Now it's going away as of tomorrow. And I'm glad that we have you for us there on the floor in the White House asking the questions like, so what now? And what was the response? Yeah. Yeah, you know, and and the question I asked yesterday was, you know, is there an executive action the president is going to announce? Is there something he can do to address the impact on millions of Americans who are going to bear the brunt of this uh, uh, when these boosted SNAP benefits expire this week? And, you know, they were meant to be temporary. These were not permanent. They were put in place at the early beginning of the pandemic to give people a little extra help. People who are, you know, struggling uh, with employment issues, struggling to make ends meet and unsure of what was going to be coming, you know, at that point in the pandemic. They kept getting extended, but back in December, Congress uh, voted to uh, end them. And so that ended, uh, it will end tomorrow. 18 states have already lifted them. The rest will do so this week. And for the average family, that means uh, $95 a month they'll lose in these benefits. Others could lose up to $250. That's significant, especially when you think about food prices right now at historic highs. There's inflation reports showing groceries are 11% more expensive in January than a year ago. So it's a big deal. The White House, though, says no executive actions to announce from the president. And I think there's a limit to what the president could even do. It's not like he can just write a check. Congress has to approve the money for these things. Uh, But they do say that the Department of Agriculture is strengthening the SNAP program. And one thing they've done, and this is interesting, and I don't think it got a lot of attention, they did do an adjustment for inflation. So let's say... 
tomorrow these these extended benefits expire. It goes back to the, quote, you know, normal levels of what they were before COVID. But that normal level is a little bit higher because they've been adjusted to keep pace with inflation. So people will get about an average of $26 a month more than they were getting pre-COVID. Again, not what they were getting for the last three years, but it's a little bit more than 2020 because of that adjustment for inflation. How many people do they think these SNAP benefits kept out of poverty during the pandemic? Yeah, about two and a half million people is one estimate from the Urban Institute. And that it reduced poverty by 4.6%, child poverty by 8.3%. That's significant because, you know, we're not talking about thousands and thousands of dollars that was going to families each month. You know, in some cases it was under $100. And, and, but that made such a massive difference for pulling people up. So I asked the White House yesterday if they expect those gains will be wiped out because of these benefits expiring. And Corrine didn't answer that explicitly, but said the president's going to keep pushing an economic agenda that they believe is aimed at people who are normally left behind, as she put it. All right, Karen, thank you as always. And like I said, I like it. I I feel like we've got like an insider on the floor there, like Ah, hitting up with the questions. So keep fighting the good fight, Karen. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. See you later. ABC's Karen Travers. It's so fun because occasionally I get to see, you know, like Karen ask this question and this is what Green Jean-Pierre said or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I'm like, that's exactly the question I would have asked. And so I live vicariously through her. Anybody want to be a White House correspondent? It doesn't matter for which president, but would you want to be a White House correspondent? I mean, you see how those news conferences go where they're all sitting there in front of the White House spokesperson. And you all get to, you know, scramble and ask your questions. And you're all arguing over one another, fighting for whose, you know, voice gets through sometimes. I would love that. Oh, I love a good, like, reporter fight like that. Ooh, this is crazy. The U.S. Marshals Service says a data attack has compromised sensitive information Spokesman Drew Wade says the data theft last week included personal information belonging to the targets of investigations and personal information of Marshall's employees. The Marshall Service handles federal prisoners across the U.S. and goes after fugitives. CNN says info on the witness protection program was not breached. The L.A. County Board of Supervisors is set to consider a motion to end L.A. County's local COVID-19 emergency declaration. The motion being heard today would end the proclamation of a local emergency and the proclamation of a local health emergency March 31st. The statewide COVID-19 emergency declaration ends today. A man from Anaheim has been sentenced to 10 years in prison for causing a fatal crash while high on meth. He pleaded guilty yesterday to killing a pedestrian in Buena Park. The driver was going 62 miles an hour in a 40 mile an hour zone. A youth jail diversion program for low-level crimes in OC has run out of grant funding after decades of of treating over a 1,000 kids a year. We need to make things right, not just punish. Waymaker's Heather Benjamin says the nonprofit treats underlying causes for first-time offenses of crimes like shoplifting, truancy, simple assault, or vandalism. If they were to go to court, it may be dismissed completely. The offense may just require a fine that the parents pay, and there's no learning opportunity, no intervention. Benjamin says state funding ends today for contracts with police agencies in six cities. She says now the goal is to 
get all police agencies in the county to band together to keep the program afloat. In Orange County, Corbin Carson, KFI News. A winter weather warning has been issued for the mountains in L.A. County because we've got more icy weather and it's really going to start to come in heavier later this afternoon into tomorrow. Snow's probably going to hang out around three to 4,000 feet. However, there are some places where the snow level could drop as low as 1,500 feet. So if you were in one of those places, you know, Santa Clarita, I know, got some. Um, out where I live in the Inland Empire, we got some. There's a chance. San Bernardino County, however, has declared a local emergency because people in mountain communities have been stuck in their homes for several days because of several feet of snow. And I just got word from ABC7 that some SoCal mountain communities in it's so in those areas, also places like uh, Crestline, I guess, they're saying that their store grocery shelves are bare. And apparently there are some gas stations in those areas that only have a few thousand gallons of premium unleaded left. We're going to cover this story with KFI's Blake Trolley all morning long for you. And coming up, how would you like to set a world record at Disneyland? Right? There are Disney adults who are obsessed with being kids all the time. And I love that. Like, you know, I love finding the child inside. But how about finding the child inside and set a record at the same time? Well, that's what a guy did. And he's going to be with us coming up at 535 this morning. I, I have so many questions like, how do you have the time to do that? Uh, what made you think, hey, here's an idea. Let me set a record at Disneyland. So all that's coming up right now. Let's say good morning to ABC's Aaron Katursky. When you put these two things together, Aaron, it's like something out of MacGyver. You know, I had the wire and I had a sweet potato and it solved a cold case. But this is legit what happened. A sweet potato and the wire that came to solve a 12 year old cold case. It's like uh, the Mad Libs of, uh, of criminology, yeah. for yes. sure, Jen, because um, 12 years ago, there was this murder on Cape Cod, Hyannis, Massachusetts. Guy was found shot in a home. Police determined he was shot through the window of the house. They found in the bushes three shell casings, a, a cell phone, and a sweet potato that had a hole in it. And prosecutors said that, uh, well, the, the sweet potato appeared to have been used as a silencer, which, if you're a fan of The Wire... Uh, was something from an episode of, of the show spawned a whole bunch of internet demonstrations about whether it would actually work and all that. Um, but be that as it may, the sweet potato also contained the DNA of the suspect who was just arrested 12 years later last week, appeared in court yesterday and pleaded not guilty. Because he, I guess, would have touched that sweet potato if it was the silencer as he was using it or trying to maneuver it around to make the silencer out of it. So it would have been what his fingerprints, I guess that would have been on it. Uh, they, they said DNA. They didn't get more specific, but he, if he, if it really was the silencer of the yams, uh, then this was a, uh, you know, perhaps a, a fan of the show. Uh, the phone that was found in the, in the bushes was registered in the name of Marlo Stanfield. That's the name of a character on the wire, you may recall. There there are all sorts of connections. By the way, Silencer of the Yams, that was funny. And you didn't even... No, we all, in fact, we We were were all all laughing laughing in the background. background. No, we were proud of you for that one. We literally, Uh, Tyler hit the IFB the minute you said it. We were like, uh, Aaron, for the win this morning. (laughs) I've had a lot of time to think of these. (laughs) And... um, 
And, and anyway, they, what, what they don't say is if they found all this stuff at the scene of the crime 12 years ago, why they only made the arrest last week and, and brought the guy into court yesterday. But be that as it may, uh, it does seem like, you know, case solved. And the suspect did have an affinity for the wire uh, and tried to try to sweet potato as a silencer. Did So he's admitted? Yeah, yeah, I'm the guy that used the yam. No, no, no. He's, he's pleaded not guilty. Uh, we'll see, you know, where the case goes. Uh, as, a, as far as a murder case, this was not the most exciting. It was sort of a guy shot in the house. The victim uh, had a criminal record. The suspect at the time was out on bail, had a GPS monitor. So they have, you know, they have um, GPS technology that puts him at the scene of the crime at the time. So there's a ton of evidence. So why he was only picked up 12 years later, that's the part we're still trying to understand. But, but I mean, there was a sweet potato involved. So once you have root vegetables, the rest of the case <laughs> is almost immaterial. Absolutely. I mean, literally, when I was looking down the list of the ABC offerings last night, I was like, well, Aaron's at the top of my list. I, Can we just book I, him all morning? It's not much of a story, I guess. But it, uh, as, as the, I was talking to the prosecutor yesterday, and, and she was saying, look, at the very least, it's an interesting fact pattern. Absolutely. Aaron, thank you so much. Have a good one. See you later. All right. Bye. We're proud of you. Silence of the Yams. Uh, speaking of that, I don't know why that makes me think of what today's national days are. It is National Chocolate Souffle Day. Shh, shh. Souffle's in the oven. National Pancake Day. Ew. You get a free short stack at IHOP today. National Essay Day. Tyler, go. What essay do you still remember writing as a kid? It was about... I don't know. Anything? Did you write any essays? I wrote an essay in fifth grade and I got the highest score and I don't even remember what I wrote about. You just remember like, bam. I remember crushing it. And I wrote a speech good enough to give at my fifth grade graduation. Again, no idea what it was about. Wow. I, in sixth grade, I remember this. I wrote an essay on sharks. And it was like a really big project, you know, but it was like a multi-page essay. And it was when you had those folders. I mean, they still have them, but it was like just a, a paper folder that you would open up and put like the, the clear sheet protector sheets in, you know, fold it up. And on the front of it, because my mother was clever, I used candy corn that I painted with whiteout and then stuck it as teeth, shark teeth around. That was my shark report. Guess you got an A. Hopefully your teacher didn't eat the candy corn. No, I still, you know, it's dumb. <laughs> my mother and I are such hoarders. I still have it. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Yep. I still have all the notes that Bobby Villegas wrote me in sixth, seventh, and eighth grades. Yeah. I remember I beat four scoring in second grade at the spelling bee with the word bicycle. You must not have gotten a lot of victories because you're really hanging on to the ones you got. I have every trophy that I ever got. I don't care if it's a freaking participation trophy. They're all out in my shed right now. Yikes. Thousands of driver licenses in Texas have ended up in the hands of a Chinese crime operation. ABC's Dennis Foley says... The ruse started with criminals going on the dark web to get personal data on Texans with what they thought 
were Asian last names. They then used that info to answer security questions on the state government website and then used stolen credit cards to order duplicate copies of active licenses. Foley says those copies were sent straight from the Texas Department of Public Safety into the criminal's hands and says the crime ring would sell the IDs to people around the country illegally. At least four other states are involved. Well, doctors for actor Tom Sizemore, who's been in a coma since having a brain aneurysm, have recommended his family consider end-of-life decisions. Doctors say there is no further hope, and the family is now deciding the end-of-life matters. The actor's representative says the family's update will be read tomorrow. Sizemore starred in Saving Private Ryan, Natural Born Killers, Heat, and Black Hawk Down. Disney has lost a little magic in losing its longest-serving employee. Disney animator, producer, and director Bernie Mattinson has died. He worked for Disney longer than anyone else, 70 years, and was scheduled to receive a 70th anniversary service award from Disney this June. It would have been the first in the company's history. Mattinson worked on everything from Lady and the Tramp and the Jungle Book to The Lion King and Aladdin, and most recently on Strange World. Disney says Mattinson began dreaming of a career with the company after seeing Pinocchio when he was six years old and started in the mailroom at Disney Studios in Burbank in 1953. He was 87. Amy King, KFI News. Customs and border officials say a record-breaking fentanyl seizure has happened at the California-Mexico border. Sunday, a woman driving a pickup truck entered the Andrade Port of Entry, Andrade Port of Entry, east of Calexico, and was directed to a secondary inspection area. Well, during an x-ray of the pickup and a canine search, Officers found 46 packages of fentanyl and 30 packages of meth. With a combined street value of more than a million dollars, the packages were found inside the pickup truck's fuel tank. And Fox chairman Rupert Murdoch says, yes, some Fox News hosts endorsed false claims that the 2020 election was stolen. His statements from a legal deposition last month were made public yesterday. Voting machine maker Dominion sued Fox in 2021 for $1.6 billion alleging its lies hurt business. Murdoch admitted he would have liked the network to be stronger in denouncing the stolen election claims. Jeff Reitz, when I read your story about your love for Disneyland, I thought, I'm right there with that guy. You know what? After living now in Southern California for almost seven years, I get it. I'm starting to get like, oh, I see why people are season pass holders. Ah, I get the mystique now. It's kind of like being part of this cool club. And what's interesting to me is in 2012, I have to ask you, let's start there. Did you even realize you wanted to be part of this cool club or were you just the casual Disney goer at the time? Good morning, Jeffrey. Yes, um, I was already an annual pass holder. Um, I had got my first annual pass in 2002 and then, uh, unfortunately because of being out of work around Easter of 2011, I had to let my annual pass go until uh, around my birthday in December of 2011 that I was given a new annual pass. And so I had my first pass was already given to me as a gift. So it was a source of free entertainment. So you got to go to the park, you got to walk around, you got exercise out of it. You got probably a break from job hunting, which we all know can be so incredibly stressful. And it probably became kind of an outlet for you. That's exactly it. You know, I mean, it started out as a joke to go for a challenge when Disney ran the commercial for the 24 hour day in 2012 about giving you an extra Disney day. And we were saying, how could it be an extra if you didn't use the other day? 
So we decided to go for all 366 days of 2012. And then it just basically snowballed from there. When you started going every single day, did you say to yourself, hey, I'm going to set a record? Other than going for the 366 and then when it continued, no, I never really thought about it being a Guinness um, or anything like that. I, when I hit day 2000 in 2017, I did have another organization claim that I was record holder. Uh, oh. So I think at that point it was in the sights of, you know, is this really something? But it was never something that I wasn't going just because I wanted to have a record. That's why, like, to me, I didn't just do a toe touch, put my, you know, basically put my toes in the puddle and then step (laughs) out. I wanted to enjoy it. I was going for fun. Now that you have, okay, well, first of all, you've now set a record after visiting Disneyland for how many days in a row? 2,995 consecutive days in a row. So that totals out to eight years, three months, and 13 days. Okay, when you were going to the park all of those days, did you get to know every cast member there? (laughs) No, not every cast member. They do have a high turnover, plus like the college kids that come through to work and everything. Um, I did get to know quite a few, though. What? Okay, I have so many questions for you. What is your favorite food? Because we all have a place where we're like, oh, hey, we're going to whatever. You know, whether it be Taco Bell to, you know, whatever. And I love the whatever, Chalupa. What was your thing every day that you're like, hey, I got to go have one of those? Well, because I was there every day, I didn't do it every day. But one of my main go-tos was over in uh, Tomorrowland at uh, Pizza Port to get the uh, pasta or the pizza. Oh, yes. It's really good. I have actually had yeah. that. I know what you're talking exactly. about. It's really good. It's filling. And it, and when it comes to uh, park food, it doesn't cost that bad either. Yeah, that's a good point. What is the worst part about visiting the park every single day? Mm. Ooh, this... know, that is a tough one. Um, you know, there are... Sometimes you do have to deal with uh, uh, guests um, that are not in a, what you would think of as a good park-going attitude. Oh, okay. Um, You know, and so it can make it difficult. Um, At one point, I remember I was, uh, had my foot run over by a lady that was driving one of the electric wheelchairs just trying to cut through the crowd. You know, and so, yeah, stuff like that can make things not as fun. But I still was having a good time. And that could have been found anywhere. You know, that can be sometimes exactly. a Tuesday in downtown L.A. So, exactly. yes. You know, anywhere that you have a crowd, you, you're going to have a mix of personalities. Did you go on rides every single day? Not every single day. Some days if I, was, I could be going and there was, say, a special event going uh, where uh, they were doing um, Wednesdays with Walt. And for annual pass holders, they were showing different... Uh, historical Walt Walt Disney uh, movies and things up in the Lincoln Theater. You know, it all depended on what was going on. What, uh, when, uh, how does it work with Guinness? Do you call them? Do they call you? How did it start that they they got clued in on you in the first place? Well, that was part of the magic for me personally. And making it the, the frosting on the cake was that I had looked into it, but I had never actually filed for it. So then about a week and a half ago now, 
I actually got a DM on my Instagram from uh, Guinness World Records saying, hey, we'd like to do a little piece on you on our website. Can you send us an email and fill out this Q&A form? And I get the Q&A form, and on the top of it says, congratulations on your new world record. Wow. And so at that point, I emailed her saying, um, should I be filling this out because I never actually filed? And she said, no, it's actually been done as a consultancy record, meaning that one of the Guinness World Record consultants saw my records and deemed that it was worthy of a title, and so they put it together on the backside and then I just had to update them and correct some information. Okay, that is fantastic. Now, what what do they do? Do they send you a certificate or something like that? I mean, how does it go from here? Yes, uh, they did send a certificate. I'm getting. I'm waiting to open it for having um, some kind of a ceremony to it. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen yet, uh, but um, yeah, I was. Uh, when they had contacted me, they already had the record title page up on the Guinness website. And then uh, basically I filled out the Q&A form and they turned around and put together essentially a, a news press release that became another website uh, on the Guinness World website. And that's what got shared with everybody that went, um, went out last Tuesday. And that was what officially announced that, hey, I am now the Guinness World Record holder for the most consecutive visits to Disneyland. All right. Two final questions for you. One, has the, has actual Disneyland contacted you? Because instead of just sending out a survey, hey, what do you like about the park? What do you not? You're the guy who's been there and seen it inside out for th- almost 3,000 days. So that and now that you've broken the record, are you still going to go to Disneyland? No, I have not been contacted by Disney since uh, getting getting the uh, Guinness record. And yes, I will be going to Disneyland. I haven't yet. Uh, I had gotten back into doing um, other activities like going scuba diving on Laguna Beach or, uh, you know, going out hiking in the local mountains, along with being able to actually go out on trips up the coast or outside of Southern California. So I have been taking my time and mixing things up with all that. Taking a breath um, from all those Disney days. <laughs> you know, I mean, being right here, as I'm sure you've learned over your uh, last years, uh, being here in California, there's a lot you can do in a close area. Oh, so yeah. when I was going to Disneyland every day, I was still going down to San Diego to the zoo and uh, stuff like that. Or I was going up uh, out to Palm Springs and hiking up on the tramway or even out scuba diving in the Channel Islands and then just driving back from Ventura and Santa Barbara and going to the park afterwards. Okay, that's amazing because I don't think that I would have the ability to handle people from the zoo to (laughs) Disneyland in one day. So you must have an incredible patience tolerance. Jeff, thank you so much and congratulations on your world record. I think this is really cool. Thank you, Jennifer. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And I think sharing it with everybody has been one of the best parts of it. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing it with all of us this morning. And good luck to your next Guinness World Record. <laughs> thank you. Have a great day. <laughs> Thanks. You too. See you later. Jeff- all right. Bye-bye. Bye. Jeffrey's from Huntington Beach with the record for number of consecutive days going to Disneyland 2,995. If you booked a flight recently, all of a sudden you might have gotten a, got a notice recently that said your flight schedule has been changed. 
Sam Sweeney is ABC's transportation unit correspondent. Sam, good morning. Welcome to Wake Up Call. Hey, Jennifer. Good morning to you. So what happened? Why are all these airlines tweaking their summer schedules right now? I mean, it's only the end of February. Well, the airlines publish their schedules about a year out. And as we get closer, in this case, to the summer travel season, they have to tweak their schedules based on demand. In the past, prior to COVID, airlines had tons of historical data. They knew exactly how many people were going to spend their winter vacation in Mexico and how many business travelers needed to be in Chicago on Monday morning. But since the pandemic, with people shifting their their habits and business travelers working from other locations and extending to long weekends, everything has changed. So they really don't have uh, the grasp and the understanding of exactly how many seats they need to certain destinations. So as we get closer to departure, they begin to tweak their schedule. And that's exactly what we're seeing here for the summer travel season. When we're talking about tweaking, are we talking, oh, hey, your flight has been delayed from 445 to 455, or is it bigger than that? It really depends on the situation. And I should mention that these tweaks are happening roughly 100 days before a flight in most cases. So, But it can range anywhere from two to four months. As for timing, it could be as small as, hey, we moved your flight five or 10 minutes, 15 minutes. In some cases, though, it could be several hours. And in very rare cases, they could move you to the next day. Those are typically on, you know, low-cost airlines that only have a flight every other day to a certain destination. We're talking about Spirit and Allegiant, Frontier. But if you're on Delta, United, Southwest, JetBlue, uh, you should have it the same day. Um, and this really can work out in your advantage. So if you booked a flight with a, a layover because it was cheaper than the nonstop, and then they move your flight several hours, you can call the airline and say, hey, look, you moved me to a flight. That's not convenient for me. I want you to now put me on that more expensive nonstop. Mm. And generally, they will do that free of charge. Oh, that's good advice. Okay, that's good to know. Um, of those sort of cheaper airlines that you're talking about, I mean, a lot of people who have flown on those already say, oh, yeah, you kind of get used to, you know, those changes or things maybe not being as great as they are on other airlines, but you still book them because they are so much more cost effective in some cases for people. So are we as travelers willing to, I guess, take that risk that our schedule might be changed a little bit in order to save some money? Look, it really depends on what your budget is. Those budget airlines are excellent when things go right. And if you are flexible and if you don't care about paying for an aisle seat or paying for a drink on board, um, but you do run the risk that they have fewer flights than the larger airlines, the legacy carriers like Delta, United. So if there's a problem on United, you know, they may be able to switch you two to three or four hours. But on the other airlines that have fewer flights, it becomes a lot more difficult. There are more people fighting for fewer seats. So it really is a risk that you run. All right, Sam, thank you so much. I appreciate your time this morning and a heads up for everybody listening because even Tyler here on the show, he was talking about he's got a flight already. He's been given the heads up. It's been delayed 15 minutes. So a lot of people listening this morning are going to be impacted by this news. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. See you later. Sam Sweeney is ABC's transportation unit correspondent. Uh, what airline are you flying, Tyler? I'll be flying uh, Air Canada home from Vancouver. Oh, okay.
Got a little trip to Vancouver planned, do you? Yeah, I'm taking a little cruise up to Vancouver. Nice. Okay, very nice. Very good. That's good travel right there. Let me get you some of these stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. An educator in her 40s has settled a lawsuit against the L.A. school district, alleging she was sexually abused by her math teacher in middle and high school. The woman filed the suit in 2020, saying the man groomed her when she was 11 and the sexual misconduct continued until she was uh, 26. The former math teacher filed a suit saying the student had a crush on him and admitted that his wife found several notes and cards from her. He denies he ever sexually abused the now grown woman. L.A. County Sheriff's detectives say they'd like to hear from anyone who has been sexually assaulted by a man in Bellflower. 42-year-old Mario Chavez allegedly approached a girl in front of a convenience store February 18th, then forced her into his car and sexually assaulted her. Detectives say the guy may have also assaulted others. He drives a white, older model Chevy Malibu. He's Hispanic, 5'9", 200 pounds. He has tattoos, including an Aries symbol on his left forearm and an M on his right hand, also a face tattoo on his left bicep. There's a high school in Indiana that has canceled production of a play two days into auditions because parents complained about gay and non-binary characters. Now, a petition with more than 2,500 signatures has been circulating, demanding the show must go on. Marion, the true tale of Robin Hood, is a comedic gender-bending take on Robin Hood. The play's writer says the original may not be appropriate for the high school, but the school planned to do sort of a teen version. He says he's worried students are being told it's not okay to be who they are when his play is all about inclusion. When I was in sixth grade, my, uh, I went to North Cow Creek School in Palisadro, California. Go to Reading and take a right on Old 44 like you're going up to Mount Lassen. Stop somewhere in the middle. That's where I grew up. So my little school, K through 8, had 224 kids in it. My graduating class, 24 kids. So we got to take trips a lot. The parents would drive, but one of the trips was up to Ashland, Oregon. And uh, I was in... It was my English class. It was like a, you know, advanced English class. I mean, whatever. Were there three of us in it or something like that for a school that tiny? And uh, so <laughs> we went to Ashland to see Romeo and Juliet. And I don't know if my teachers just didn't know or they thought that we were mature enough to handle it. But one way or another, in Ashland at that time, Romeo and Juliet was done in a very, very advanced way. I mean, sexual innuendos, the grabbing of certain parts and whatever. And I just remember my teacher looking down at us with her eyes probably bigger than ours, thinking, holy cannoli, how am I going to get out of this one? Now, we, as sixth graders, thought it was phenomenal, you know? Anything in sixth grade that's a little racy is giggle-worthy, right? So we all went home telling our parents how amazing this was. While our teacher was like, oh, my God, parents, I'm so sorry. It's a great memory. Ooh, have you had shrimp recently in California, Arizona, Colorado, and Utah? For all of you listening on the iHeartRadio app, it's been recalled because of a bacteria concern. The recall says it is possible the shrimp 
was under-processed. It's by uh, Kawasho Foods, K-A-W-A-S-H-O, Foods, USA. And it that company has issued a voluntary recall of one of its shrimp, medium shrimp, geisha media shrimp, following reports that the four-ounce cans were swelling or leaking or bursting. So the cans have this Best Buy date on them of May 12th. We're going to get more on this tomorrow, and uh, this will be at 533 tomorrow. Friends of Big Bear Valley say two eggs that were laid by Jackie. Remember the bald eagle in Big Bear Valley that we all have been watching? They are unlikely to hatch. I was so sad when I read this story yesterday. So the mom and Shadow, the dad, have been keeping the eggs warm since they were first laid January 11th. But I want to know how. How do the friends of Big Bear Valley know that these two legs, er, legs, eggs, specifically laid by Jackie, are unlikely to hatch? I mean, they're, they're watching them from as far away as we are. So how do they know and... What are the chances, I don't know, of, of you know, Jackie and Shadow having more eggs early on? Anyway, we'll get into that tomorrow at 530. And pl- if you are not following this trial and you are any bit of a crime watcher, a true crime follower, whatever, the Alex Murdaugh murder trial in South Carolina. Y'all, yeah, pulled my South Carolina out on that one. This is... The most entertaining trial I've seen in a long time. Not because specifically like, oh, it's a whodunit. But it's a more of a, what is he going to do and say next? Alex Murdaugh is charged with killing his wife and son. Now, the defense's final witness yesterday was Murdaugh's brother, John, who described Alex as a good dad and talked about how emotional his brother was at the scene of the murders. I can promise you... Words don't do it justice. I would have to create a new word to to describe how distraught he was. However, just because you're distraught, you can be distraught and you can be guilty. But this guy, I'm saying he's guilty. I don't know. But it is literally, I'm going to say like a, a little folksy word here. And they're like, hey, you never called your son that. Yeah, I did. I called him that all the time. Really? Insert tear here. Insert cry here. I don't know. I've watched, I've been in this business 30 years, you guys. And I, my gut tells me that there's some acting here. I'm not saying whether or not I think the guy is uh, innocent or guilty. I'm just saying, man, this is a performance of a lifetime. We lead local live from the KFI 24-hour newsroom. I'm Jennifer Jones Lee. This has been your wake-up call.